Welcome to the podcast of Local Community Church. Thanks for joining us. We hope this message will encourage and inspire you in your faith journey. If you'd like to find out more, head to our website at localcommunity.church. Good morning, everyone. Morning, everyone. <laughs> it's very strange. Has anyone ever talked to a group of people that have got masks on? Just let me know by lifting your eyebrows. Oh, good. I can hear laughs. That's still good. <laughs> it's a very strange thing, like looking out and just having these eyes. It's amazing how much smiles or maybe grumpy faces, depending on what face you're pulling at me, <laughs> actually makes a difference. It's very bizarre. Well, we are continuing our series on the Old Testament classic stories. And um, I'm really looking forward to today because... I'm actually going to be talking about the presence of God. And I can often tell when we're going to have a good Sunday or the Lord's going to do something because often the week before is like a hard week for me. Um, and uh, I just only kind of clicked this morning. I had um, some things happen this week that just, uh, like not bad things, but just stuff that's just the stuff that comes on you in life that's not always there and it's like, oh, sometimes, you know, I think when there's just something starting to take place in a spiritual atmosphere, um, you feel it. And sometimes, you know, God's got plans for us and I reckon if the enemy catches wind of that, he tries to stop that happening. And it's one of the things I don't like about being a pastor, quite frankly. <laughs> Because often uh, we become the first pass at that. So the good thing is that that means we should be excited for today. We should have, yeah. Well, there we go. That's right. Because <laughs> I think the core of this message is that the presence of God is here. The presence of God is in us. And I think sometimes... We can wonder about God, we can feel distant from God, we can even wonder if he's here or not, but the reality is God is right here. He's, he's in you and he's in us, so the question is actually, God, what do, you, what do you want to do with us right now? You're here, we're in your presence, we are a group of Jesus-following, spirit-believing people who are hungry to see the manifest power of God. And this is like a pretty special time and place where we get to do this because, you know, tomorrow life starts again and off we go. But right now, here we are in the presence of God. And, you know, in days gone by, what we're going to read about is people used to go to the temple to find the presence of God. There's only usually one person that could enter the presence of God. And here we are in our world right now. We're able to gather. Sure, we've got masks on, but we are together. And here we are literally in the presence of God. So I'm just going to pray, because I've got some words that I feel like God has given me, but mostly today I think it's, can I get through that really quick so we can just spend some time in the presence of God together and see what he wants to do. Come Holy Spirit in this place. Well, we know that your word says you have to be here because you're in our hearts. 
But God, we don't just want to read these things and have a theoretical perspective of who you are, God. We want to know you. We want to seek your face, to feel your presence, God. And so we just want to say this morning, have your way with us. Let this not just be a day that we come and we sit and we listen and we go home and enjoy some coffee and friendship, but let this be a day where we encounter you. God, would you do miracles in this place this morning? guide us as to what it looks like to connect with you, to be led by you. Teach us this morning, God. Just right now, Lord, would you help increase the faith in our spirit. Our faith to believe in those things that we can't see but we hope for. Just let faith rise in this place this morning, God. Just open our ears to hear what it is that you want to say to us, to each person here. That you take us forward in our journey of spiritual maturity, of transformation to be more like you. Come, Holy Spirit. Pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So, I looked down to pray, and the rug is crooked. It does, doesn't line up on my lines, and I freaked out. <laughs> I'm not going to adjust it, I'm just going to cope. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No, Kylie's like, he's not kidding. I'm like, oh, something's not right. Um, Actually, it's funny, I feel privileged to preach today because like, I've not preached, we had um, Steve preach and then John Finkeldy preached last time and then I think, uh, I think Steve's preaching next time and then Kylie's preaching after that. So this is like one in, a, one in three months preaching for me, so I'm like, I better do a good job. <laughs> and hopefully you're like, oh, I really miss Derek. It's like, it's so good to hear Derek preach again. He feels like a stranger at the moment, but... So good. <laughs> then I have to do the rest of the year. So anyway, so you're going to get bored of me. But <laughs> So last time, John was talking to us about the story of Joseph uh, and how the families of Jacob, which became the Israelites, ultimately settled in Egypt. And in some ways, that's, the end of that story is like a really good news story because um, the Israelite people have been living in, um, in famine and they come to Egypt and suddenly they get loved by the Egyptian People and it's like, well, that's, that's actually like a really good news story. Uh, but we now move on to the story of Moses, which is actually 400, about 400 years after that happened. And it's pretty crazy from this time when things were good to we pick up the story of Moses and suddenly things were not so good. The, the pharaohs had changed and the number of Israelite people were growing. I was reading, I don't know if this is true, but um, there might have only been 70 people that actually settled in the land of Egypt. And when we read um, 400 years later, there's discrepancies between whether it was 30,000 or 2 million people that actually were part of the Exodus. Um, either way, that's a lot of growth. And the Pharaoh at the time was getting a bit worried of this growing people group. Um, and so ultimately, they were, were put into slavery, which is where we pick up the story. 
and many of them, were, well, they were all slaves. And so Moses comes along and Moses is the leader that God chose to take these people out of slavery and back to the promised land, which is part of what we've been reading over these last couple of months. So this was the promise of God to get to uh, this, this promised land. And when, you, when you're studying Moses, there, there is literally so much we could talk about. It is like a really, really big story. So I thought rather than me telling, you know, sometimes I try and share some stories of our life and um, I always like to try and make the things that we're teaching very practical and I never ever want to talk out of things that are just theoretical. It's like if we're, if we're preaching and applying, it's ideally things that we've been living out. So there's always a, a story to tell. But the story of Moses is so good, I just want to jump in and um, kind of trek through a little bit, bit of that to get to this, this uh, point that we're talking about today, the presence of God. Um, so if we just get a little bit of context, the Israelite people, we're going to pick up in uh, Exodus 19 in a moment, but the Israelite people had come out of slavery. Moses, there's a whole story, backstory here, of course, which I'm sure many people are familiar with, but ultimately the people had started that Exodus journey. They'd survived a whole bunch of plagues where God was trying to take down Pharaoh and what was going on there. They've literally just gone through the Red Sea. It's been parted. Now, that, if that's not like blow your mind away, there must be a God. I'm not sure what is, but the Red Sea has parted. The Israelite people have got through and they've survived, and now they're on the other side. And uh, we pick up the story. This is literally three months after that happened. And the Israelite people are at the base of Mount Sinai, and they're about to encounter, literally encounter, the presence of God. But the Israelite people do not respond as we would expect. So let's pick up the story. If you've got a Bible, uh, just turn to... We're going to do a little bit of Bible reading today, if that's all right. Is that Okay. Is that okay? Oh. <laughs> uh, so Exodus, thank you, <laughs> Exodus chapter 19, uh, verse 4. Right, and it says, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant... You shall be my treasured possession among all the peoples, for all the earth is mine. Let me just read that again. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. You shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I realized I had something wrong in my theology. I thought that the first opportunity for us to become a kingdom of priests happened after Jesus. So the Israelite people, if you track through, and we're going to see this as we keep journeying through all these Old Testament classic stories, they were a kingdom with a priest. There was usually one priest that was the person that was the go-to between God and the Israelite people. That, that's kind of how it worked. There was only one, and we, and we see this after Moses. He was the first person that um, played that role. We're going to find out in a moment. But that scripture tells us that the Israelite people had the opportunity to be a kingdom of priests as opposed to a kingdom with a priest. Now, I don't know about you, but I did not realize that. There's this moment in time where if the Israelite people had obeyed God and listened to his voice, 
I think they all could have had the opportunity to be in the presence of God all of the time. But they didn't. And this is what we're going to kind of read through, which is I just find really interesting. So let's just slightly move forward. Uh, verse 16, still in chapter 19. This is like God showing up. All right, so here they are, Israelites, bottom of Mount Sinai. They've been told, if you listen to my voice, obey my ways, you can be a kingdom of priests. Priests meaning that I'm the person that can enter into the presence of God, by the way. Verse 16, on the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. Just think about that. They brought the people out of the camp to meet God and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. That is God arriving. There's fire, there's smoke, there's literally... Literally, the mountain is trembling. So we'll just cruise forward a little bit further into Exodus chapter 20 and go to verse 18, and let's see what the people did. Verse 18. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid. And trembled, and they stood far off and said to Moses, You speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure what to make of this. Here's God saying, you can be a kingdom of priests, people that can come into my presence. Here I come, I arrive, I'm on the mountain, there's thunder, there's lightning. Maybe that's what we think about when God comes. The mountain is trembling and the people have this opportunity to go and meet God. Now, I don't know about you, but most of my life I've been a Christian. I've said, if I had the chance to meet God face to face, oh my goodness, I would love that. And that's what these people had. And I wonder how different we are to them. I'm not sure. And when that moment came, they basically said, no way, that, what I'm seeing there, what that looks like, that is, that's too scary. Moses, you, you go and do that. You go and listen to God, hear what he says, and you come back and speak to us. We're okay with that, but we are, we are not going to do that. I'm not sure what to make of that, because on the one hand, God literally is on the mountain, if I'm an Israelite person, he's just rescued me from slavery three months before. I've seen all these miracles. I've seen the mighty, powerful, compassionate hand of God. He's parted the Red Sea, and here I am living on the other side, out of slavery, before God. Surely I'd want to go and meet him. Like I'm thinking that's what I'd, I'd want to do. But on the other hand, like we can just say thunder and lightning, but there was thunder and lightning there was a loud trumpet. We don't know where that trumpet came from. Maybe that's like a heavenly trumpet that's kind of blowing. The, the mountain is covered in smoke because God had descended with fire and the mountain was trembling, like literally shaking. Now, a few years ago, I don't know if people realize this, Kyle and I were in Bali when the, earthquake, the earthquakes happened. 
And the first, 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 can I have a drink, please? <laughs> the first earthquake happened, and let me just fix this up. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the first one that came, it was kind of fun, because it was like, we were upstairs, we're in this little kind of accommodation place, and there's a bit of a shake, and it goes for 10 seconds, and we're like, oh, that's cool, that was an earthquake, we were just in an earthquake, wow. Then, a little while later, it really shook, and it shook for more than 30 seconds, and at that point, people in our accommodation were running outside, and the household people were freaking out, and like that was a completely different experience. And that's just like a little 30-second earthquake, so I'm not exactly sure what it would be like to be before a mountain that was trembling. So in some ways, I think it's fair enough that they maybe didn't want to go and meet God. That would have been pretty scary. So while Moses went and met God and mediated on behalf of the people, part of that's really good, but what I've realized is that they actually missed this opportunity to be a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of people that on their own could enter into the presence of God. Now given that they would not go to God, it meant that God had to go to them. And I'm not going to go into the detail of a lot of the rest of the story, but ultimately the people of God kept mucking it up. See, Moses is up meeting God, and we know the story of the Ten Commandments. He came and he spoke, and he said, here's the things that I uh, would like you to follow, and if you can go and pass it on to the Israelite people. And by the time Moses got back down to tell them, they'd built a golden calf and were worshipping this thing. They'd built an idol. Now, I don't know about you, when I, when I uh, can, actually, can everyone just say hello, just so I know? Good, all right, okay, good, good, good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, feeling a bit weird all of a sudden. Um, when um, Moses gets down, they've built this idol, and sometimes I think, what are these people doing? Like, they got bored of God. God had rescued them three months ago, and they create an idol. And part of me thinks, stupid Israelite people, I would, I'm not like those people. But then actually, when I think about it, I realize how often I put things, when I'm not getting what I want from God, I put things in the way between me and God, or I fix my eyes on different things. And I kind of, like, I hate to, hate to think about that and say it, but I think we're kind of all the same. You know, anything that gets in that way that distracts us, that puts, becomes the centre, is an idol. And it's like we do the same thing over and over and over again. So I don't want to kind of bag the Israelite people because I feel like it's probably the pattern of life that we live in and, and God kind of knows this. Anyway, so God sees this. And, he, and, and if you read the story, it's really interesting. He basically says to Moses... It's like, it was almost like he gives up. He's like, I've promised you the promised land, fine, you can have it, but I'm not coming. Like, I, just go and fulfill the promise, but I'm, I'm not going to be there. And Moses literally says, unless your presence comes with us, we're not going anywhere. And he kind of has this conversation with God, and then God says, okay, well, fine, I'll come. And ultimately, it leads to this thing which is called the tent of meeting. And so as the Israelites traveled around, there was a thing called the tent of meeting, and it was the meeting place of God. But because of the way the Israelite people had to said, we don't, want to, we don't want to be that kingdom of priests, we're quite happy being a kingdom with a priest, the only person that could encounter God was the person that went into the tent of meeting that in this part of the story was Moses. The more I think about that, it just, it just makes me realise how blessed we are to do what we do here. Like we're blessed right now because of COVID, right? and the way we get to live and all those kind of things for sure. We're blessed because we have um, freedom of religion and we can actually 
speak about our faith, although we know it's being challenged more and more and it's going to be an interesting couple of decades coming up for the church in Australia, I think. But I think we're most blessed because we don't have to find just one person that can go and meet God. Like, we can do that ourselves. We don't have to have a tent of meeting, which was the dwelling place of God. Now, if we follow that story all the way through, the tent of meeting, which was housing the Ark of the Covenant, where the, the stones of the Ten Commandments were, were living, that goes all the, way, the right, all the way through to the story of Solomon. And Solomon actually built a temple And now the temple became the dwelling place of God, but it was still the same where just one priest could only go into the temple. And there was all these rules of the things they had to do to get ready to come into the presence of God. And and that was the journey. Like That was literally 400 years later, like hundreds of hundreds of years, um, where it was just one person and the presence of God. All that started from this story that we're reading on the the base of, of Mount Sinai. I can't help but think what, would have happened if all of the nation went up to Mount Sinai that day? Like what might have happened if they all were brave enough to go, I want to go and meet God? I guess we'll never know. But if we track a little bit further, because um, this is the best part of the story and what it means for us today. And what we're actually going to read is not about the Temple of Solomon, but I want us to read from the prophetic word of Joel. And uh, we're going to read from Joel chapter 2. Now, from what we were just hearing the story of, Joel is prophesying about a thousand years after that. All right, so this is kind of pretty crazy that a thousand years after the people had the opportunity to always be in the presence of God, to always have the Spirit of God around them, Joel prophesies. And he says this, And it shall come to pass afterward, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit. That's Joel 2.28. Kylie's going, no, no, no. Sorry, I forgot. Did I get that wrong, did I? Oh, sorry, Joel chapter 2, verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh, Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days, I will pour out my spirit. In other words, there will come a time when you will all be in my presence. This is a prophetic word. God, I think, has always wanted to be with all of his people. I think that's what he's always wanted. Now, this point in the story, Joel, this is at about 400 BC. Right, so we're talking two and a half thousand years ago is that prophetic word. 400 years before Jesus comes, he says, there's going to be a time when you can all come into my presence. We're pretty close to the end of the Old Testament as we read that. Now, we know the end of the story, but I imagine at that point in time, people must have been thinking, what is that going to look like? When's this Messiah going to come? When is this opportunity for us to always be in the presence of God, to experience that divine presence that only Moses and all the priests of the time had been able to experience? 
There's lots of places we could go right now to see the fulfillment of this story. And if you've ever had a chance to actually look at the presence of God right throughout Scripture and look at the tent of meeting and look at the fire and look at the temple and how that, that just tracks all the way through, literally to, to acts like tongues of fire. Like it's just incredible the way this tracks through thousands of years as you read the Bible. I love the depth and intertwining of Scripture when we, when we do that. And there's lots of places we could go to see the fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. We could go to obviously Jesus' resurrection. He's overcome death. He's alive. He's created this place for us to have relationship with our Father. I mean, that's a pretty obvious place to go. We could go to Acts chapter 2 where we see the day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit descends on its people and they literally see tongues of fire falling upon people. We could go to Corinthians where Paul talks about us being the temple of the Holy Spirit and that we are now the temple, not the temple that Solomon built to house the presence of God, but we are the temple, our bodies, literally God living within us. We could go to Peter where he goes back, we read that verse that God said, you are going to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And then all these years later, Peter basically says to the church, you are now a royal priesthood, a holy nation. It's not one of us, but it's all of us. There's lots of places we could go that fulfill this scripture that was prophesied in Joel two and a half thousand years ago. But the place I want to go to is uh, just this really interesting scripture that uh, Paul writes to the Ephesian church. So if we go to Ephesians chapter 2, I told you we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. And it says this, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. I love that imagery of a physical temple that was built to house the presence of the, of, of the Lord. And now, here's Paul saying, actually, we are all together the place that houses the presence of the Lord, where Jesus is the cornerstone, that first corner rock that was put in place, in whom, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into that holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. We are the dwelling place of God. That is amazing. I'm, I'm assuming under all of your masks, people are smiling and going, this is actually amazing. Like, what, what does this mean for us? Like, we've read this story of Moses and this interaction with the presence of God, the fire, the cloud, the trembling of the mountain. And then we, we go forward like 3,000 years to us today, the fulfillment of what we're literally reading through all of this ancient scripture. And it says God is here. God is with us right now. So what, what does that mean for us? What does this Old Testament story of Moses mean for us? Well, it means that God is here. God is here right now. 
Now, I look back on that story and I'm not sure if I met God like that, would I respond to the same way the Israelites did? I'm not sure. But what I know today and what I want to say to you, the presence of God is here and let's not hide from it. They got scared. They were not, the fear overcame them. The thought of what God was doing, they just couldn't comprehend. And so they did not step into the presence of God. I don't want to be that, pe- that person. I don't want us to be those people. I think we've got to figure out what does it look like for us all of the time to step into the presence of God. Like our life gets so busy and complicated and all this kind of stuff going on and yet we are carriers of the Spirit of God. I, I was doing this this week and I realized I'd forgotten. Like I kind of do sometimes out of routine my devotion. I think it was interesting hearing John a couple of weeks ago saying, you know, part of his message was find your time and your place when you get with God. And I do that. Like that's part of, you know, and, but what was interesting for a man in his mid-60s going, you know what, sometimes I do that and it's just the most incredible time. I feel the presence of God. God is there. Other times I do it and I'm kind of like, I'm just, I'm not even sure if God's there. And sometimes it's easy to get in those seasons And I'm like, I've got to remember that every single time I am stepping into the presence of God. I don't want to be distracted from that. Like that, that, that's like a huge privilege. I don't have to like find my priest who's going to go and do that. I, I get to do that. Jesus' resurrection, the promise of God, the Spirit here in us right now is the fulfillment of that prophecy from Joel. Like we are living in the fulfillment of a prophetic word thousands of years ago. We're literally, we're literally living in the fulfillment of what God wanted to do. And I don't think we want to hide from that. Not like the Israelites did. It's available to all of us all of the time. And so for me, part of, part of what this means is like, God's here. So if, if my life is going really well, it's like, God, what are you doing? Because you're here. What's happening here? What does this mean? Like I'm being blessed is this an Abraham, I'm being blessed to be a blessing? What are you doing, God? If my life is, is, is going really hard, it's not like, well, God, you're not here. It's like, no, no, I know you're here, God. This is a fulfillment of prophecy. So, so it's not like, where are you, God? It's like, what are you doing, God? What do you want me to learn in this season, God? What do you want me to step into? Where do you want me to stretch? Where do I need to increase capacity? Where do I need to sacrifice? Where do I need to submit? Where do I need to let go? What, like, what is God doing right now? Because God is here. And so no matter what you're experiencing right now in your life, good or bad, hard or easy, God is there. God is there. That is literally the fulfillment of what we're reading right now. Now, if we can go into the presence of God anytime, and we're about to, like we are anyway, but in a moment I'm going to stop and I'm going to say, let's just... Like if God is in all of us, like let's just, let's just soak that up. What, what happens? What does that mean? Well, the interesting story about Moses, if you read, uh, we won't go there, but in Moses chapter 34, verse 29, Moses literally says, I want to see you, God. And he says, well, you're not going to be able to see me because that's like too full on. But if you go up to this place, turn your back, I'll pass by. And without realizing, when he came down and he saw the Israelite people again, they're like, Moses, you look different. You are radiant, is the word. Now, I'm like, if Moses was the only person at that time that could go into the presence of God, and he was radiant, and the people physically saw it on him, what does that mean for us? 
when we can go into the presence of God every single day. Now, I'm not saying that we make stuff up and we've got to walk around with smiles. I couldn't even see if you were anyway, but you can't walk around with smiles on your face all day, every day. But there is something about the presence of God on us that people can physically see. I don't know what that looks like for you. I'm sure you've got similar stories, but I've definitely had times where I'll, I'll walk into a difficult situation at work and something will solve it or whatever, and people will literally say to me, how do you, how, why do you come into that situation with so much peace? Or, or there'll be a difficult situation, why do you carry joy in that situation? And I don't even realise I'm doing that, to be honest. On the inside, sometimes in these moments, I'm freaking out of what's going on, but I think what they're describing is the presence of God. I think what maybe they're seeing is the radiance of the Lord because I've been in his presence. So what does that look like for you? What, what, what is it that is happening when you're in the presence of God? I think we're meant to look different. I think when we come into the presence of God, there's something that the Israelites feared. If you remember that scripture we read, they said they feared God because of their sin. That's kind of interesting, but I think if you go into the presence of God, there is meant to be an increase in the conviction of your sin. There's meant, there's meant to be. There's this like reset moment with God. But you know what's good about that? Is it's matched by your assurance of salvation. God is actually so compassionate and merciful. He's not trying to catch you out. He's trying to just bring you back to that place of freedom. What Jesus did, the repentance of our sin because of that leads us to our salvation. And that assurance is amazing. Like we need that over and over again, right? You might go into the presence of God and what happens is almost an, an awareness of your unworthiness. It's like, God, who am I? Who am I to come back into your presence again? Do you know what I did this last week? Do you know what I did yesterday? Can I really come into your presence again? But it's matched by a sense of the love of God. He loves you. He wants and he's always wanted relationship with you. When I come into the presence of God, the idea of kind of loving other people that are really difficult is just like impossible. And when I enter, but somehow I spend time with my creator, with the person that created those difficult people, and I come out going, I can love those people. That's what I'm called to do. When I go into the presence of God, I get a preview of heaven here on earth. I watch people and I listen to people that are interacting with God, and when God is upon them, the way they express that is literally via their senses. So when I go in to the presence of God and I experience this idea of heaven on earth, it is for me, and I think, a full, immersive, sensual experience. People will say, I see the Lord on you. I feel this is going on. I hear the voice of God. God created us with these senses. And so when we go into the presence of God, I think it's, a, it's not this distant kind of ethereal thing. It's like, I'm going to feel it. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to see it. As I say this stuff, I'm like, well, why every day do we not just want to be in the presence of the Lord? 
Why do we rush our lives away from this ridiculous opportunity that we've been given? My goodness, it makes no sense. So let's do that. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has encouraged and inspired you in your faith journey. If you'd like to find out more, head to our website at localcommunity.church.